a while back, um, but was involved in challenge and really enjoyed my time there. Um, I studied business and accounting, and I am now an accountant at a CPA and accounting firm. Um, and so I might have met some of you at the senior um, seminar last week, but I'm just really excited to be here. We really are just thrilled to be here. Go ahead, Anna. Yeah, uh, I'm Anna. I uh, went to SC the same year as Julie did. Um, I really enjoyed my time challenge, and I couldn't be the person I am now without challenge. Um, and currently, I'm an accountant at a renewable energy company oh. in San Monica. Nice. Nice. Anna's already got us ready for recording. So um, our topic today is um, heart friendships for the long haul and how to make new friends old friends. Um, so we're really excited to be sharing this with you. And there's a lot of fun things that we can talk about. So here's an outline so you know what to expect as you buckle your seatbelt for the next 50 minutes or so. And first, Anna's going to give a bit of a, just some fun background about us so you can get to know us and kind of our friendship a little bit there. And then I'll kind of give us a little bit of a deeper dive on what heart friendship is and how it can be unique to us as women. Um, and then Anna and I are going to go through three challenges to intentional heart friendship. So that's going to be time, vulnerability, and differences. Um, and then we'll kind of close it out and have some Q&A. I prepared some questions for Anna. She prepared some questions for me. And then we'll let you guys ask us questions as well. So we're really excited. Go ahead, Anna. Great. So I'll start us off on just a quick backstory on us, what I like to call our love story. <laughs> Some people think of romantic love stories, but there's also friendship love stories, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, like all of you, um, at least for me too, uh, I want when I came to SC, I wanted to find my people, my besties, like first few weeks of college. But um, we actually did become friends, friends until like junior year. Um, so freshman year, what's also funny is that there are a lot of things kind of pushing us together, but we didn't really vibe. Like, we were both dormed at Trojan Hall, which is a super small dorm. We're it's like four torn down away. now. I oh, think. is it? Oh. Yeah. We're aging ourselves. Oh, no. And then um, we're both accounting majors, and we're both in the same life group our freshman year. Um, but we just wanted different things in life, and at that moment, we just didn't, we just didn't click, click. It was, there wasn't this, oh my god, we would be best friends, like as soon as we met each other. Definitely not. So this kind of went on until junior year. So junior year, we were asked to co-lead a new type of Bible study just for freshmen, called Freshman Connection. Um, and since this is like a first time thing, I think we both kind of put our hearts into the mission and our hearts kind of aligned with the same purpose of really guiding freshmen and others to the Lord and, um, and making sure we would walk with God and also grow in that process too as well. Um, so it was just such a fun time. So this is us during like a fun, like a leader's fun night and then a reunion a couple of years later. Um, so then this kind of, our friendship kind of grew until the end of junior year, there is a funny story where towards the end of the year, there's always this like dreaded moment of, oh my gosh, where am I going to live? And who am I going to live with? You know, that's just like the big questions everyone's asking. And then I really wanted to live with Julie. And, and I had lived with all like seniors my junior year. So I had no roommates continuing on. Yeah. And so I, I just didn't know like, oh, am I roommate material for Julie? <laughs> Is this she have other plans? Like, I just didn't want to face that rejection. And Julie really took the step and just asked, hey, you want to live together? It would be so much fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. And so the next ministry team meeting on Friday morning when people were saying their highs and lows, I just immediately blurted out, Julie, pop the question. <laughs> and out of context, it was so silly. People were so confused, but I was just so excited. And that's how our senior year kind of went by. Um, a bunch of us girls who were in Challenge Room together, um, in a place where the boys in Bond Solo claimed that we were gone solo, girl Bond Solo, which was ridiculous, and we made sure not to claim that name. We're like, no, 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 we're our own thing. 
But it was such a fun year, and um, you can see here, this is our senior year. Yeah, this would be some memories that you guys would have similarly. So the top left is us at FDC, you can see that little name tags. Um, the circle is us at spring break, and then the bottom left is us at the FC retreat. Um, so that's kind of fun. And the guy drinking the lemonade is now my husband, so yeah. that's kind of fun. We were not dating at this picture. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we graduated together, and then we decided to live together post-college, um, which was just a really fun time. And then in the end, we got married. To the guy with the lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> which is also a fun story, because we actually, I went to high school with him, and he's actually the one who introduced me to Challenge. So it was really fun, and um, Julie's sister was matron of honor, so she asked me to be best lady, which is a fake position, but I just like took it around. I was like, great, because <laughs> she was close to both myself and my husband James. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's pretty much the, our friendship there, and then just a couple more memories that you guys can see here. That um, we're friends to this day. We're besties. Um, we have fun adventures that a lot of it include Aaron Gillum, and. Um, yeah, we really enjoy each other and I adore her, and it's been great so far, and so excited for the future. Yeah. So that's a little bit about our friendship story, but now we're going to kind of dive in a little bit to like what heart friendship is, and some challenges you might face in heart friendship, and then kind of answer any questions. I would say we are by no means like experts in friendship, but we sure love it, and we really have benefited from this. So that's kind of the place that we're coming from. Um, so this meme may not, you guys might not find this nearly as funny as we do. We are just over 30, and I think this meme speaks so much to me. It says, nobody talks about Jesus' greatest miracle, having 12 close friends in his 30s, and I think this is actually so true. And when you're in college and high school, that you have so many peers that you're running with, and that's why I think it's so important you guys think about heart friendships and really invest in this now. Once you graduate, there's just not as many peers running around, like not as many people that you have time and exposure with to kind of be building some of those heart friends. It's not to say you won't make new friends. I assure you, you will, and I have. Um, but really having those close friends is such a gift to kind of build and start with in college. So kind of just some fun entertainment, but this really spoke to me. So we can, now we're gonna talk about what heart friendship is. Um, this, a definition, from an AI, but I will defend, I do think Anna can break it down, is a heart friend is someone who loves you deeply and selflessly. They listen carefully, they speak truthfully, and they seek to build you up. They may also point you back towards the Lord, restrain their tongue, and enjoy chatting over tea and laundry. And a friend of the heart is someone who you connect with on a deep level. So I would say even Google knows what a heart friend is, and some of those things are like, that sounds like a heart friend to me, but it, the reality of making that heart friend can be a lot more challenging than just as simple as these things. And so kind of just some of these things, you know, listen, someone who listens carefully and speaks truthfully and who points you back towards the Lord, but someone also who enjoys the mundane of chatting over tea and laundry. Who wouldn't want that? Would you read that? I'm like, oh, that is so fun. But what is the reality of that and what does that look like? And so, Anna, could you read us kind of this verse and to kind of be our backdrop here? Great. So, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
Perfect. Thanks, Anna. So sometimes you guys might hear these verses, like verses 9 through, say, 10 or 11, maybe even in a, in a wedding context. But I think what's so powerful and so encouraging to me is this last phrase. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Um, obviously, the story that Anna and I illustrated was mostly our friendship. But you saw in those pictures, like, it wasn't just Anna and I. Like, we do have other friends that we're running with. And so when we talk about heart friendships, it really is that friendship's plural. It's not just like friendship singular. Um, I think there's so much to be gained from different friendships. Um, and I can unpack this a little bit further. When I was in college, I was feeling kind of insecure in a friendship. One of, a di not Anna, a different friend. Um, and so I kind of brought this up with this friend. And I was like, hey, I just feel like we're not as close or whatever it was. And her response to me to this day still has stuck out to me so much. And she said, Julie, I'm just too needy for just one friend. And I paused, and I thought about it. And even as I think about it to this day, she is just too needy for just one friend. And so I think this verse is so helpful in terms of thinking like we do need a community of people around us and to be those heart friends, multiple friends can fill different needs. So Anna and I have a wonderful friendship and we'll obviously share more from that, but knowing that there's multiple different friends of mine fill different needs and that's okay and kind of how God's designed us is to kind of be relational and fill different needs for different people as well. Just as friends fill needs for us, we can fill needs for them. But it was just this moment of not, I basically didn't feel like her best friend and her response was, Basically, you're not, and you don't have the time to be. And you know what? She was so right. She is way too needy. And so just thinking through how we can make this as a larger community thing and not have that one best friend, but really a community of it. And I'm going to expand on that just a little bit more. Um, but something that I've thought about for a while, um, but actually got a psychologist to back me up on this, um, is the idea that the way women approach friendships is very different than men. So the psychologist, women, or psychologist Kristen Fuller says that women really thrive on intimacy and connection, and men often thrive on doing more activities together. And you guys may not have experienced this yet, but for example, um, for some of our friends who have been out of school for a while, if, you, if I were to go up to them and be like, who is your best friend to a certain guy? I guarantee, not guarantee, but oftentimes, the person they say is someone I like, don't even think they've talked to in like the last year, potentially, because they don't fill that gap with like insecurity. I think as women, since we thrive on that intimacy and connection, if I haven't talked to a friend in like two or three weeks, or even sometimes a couple months, I'm like, I guess we're just not that close. Instantly, that's like my first insecure feeling. And so I think that's part of knowing that's how we're wired and kind of leaning into kind of being vulnerable and stepping in even when we feel like there's a gap is going to be important. Knowing that how we view friendships, how God has wired us, is just a little bit different. Um, and Anna and I will kind of bring up some of that when we talk about and the challenges, but it's just an interesting thing to think about. And if you're relating with um, guys and you've got a significant other or whatever the case may be, how they view friendship and how oftentimes women view friendship is different. I won't say that's like a hard and fast rule across, you know, everyone around, but it, it is kind of an interesting one. Um, like my husband, for example, he would say his best friend is this guy that doesn't even live here and they talk like once a quarter. But to me, that I'm like, how can you be best friends if they're not here? And so it just kind of shows you there's some differences in how we approach um, friendship. And so this psychologist and um, really unpack this and kind of show it's not just Julie Jolly's theory this is kind of just like how we are wired is a little bit different that women really need that 
intimacy and connection, and that can bring us so much life. And I think what we find is that by having healthy relationships, we're honestly healthier in general. Um, so there's so much that can come from that. Um, but heart friendships can be different than other friendships. Um, they're not really based on shared interests, and they're mostly based on you know, being headed in the same direction and sharing similar goals and missions. And the Bible has a lot of examples of really beautiful heart friendships. And we've got a resources slide at the end that will outline them for you. For the sake of time, we're not going to go through each example. Um, but I'll give them to you if you want to write them down. And the first one is David and Jonathan. And they really illustrate a deep and abiding friendship in 1 Samuel 18 through 20, as well as 2 Samuel 1. And then Elijah and Elisha. And talk about friendships that really grow us as individuals. So 1 Kings 19 through 2 Kings 2. And then Ruth and Naomi. Um, friendships built through experiences. That's in Ruth chapter 1 and 2. And then Mary and Elizabeth, a friendship in a time of need, is really outlined in Luke chapter 1. Um, but I bring this to you because my goal and intention is not that this is how Julie and Anna do friendship, but to know that this is something not only psychologists have talked about, but also that really what God's word underpins. And so these are kind of the background on heart friendship. And now we're going to kind of go into a little bit of maybe difficulties that can be faced in heart friendship. So Anna, maybe you want to start us off there? Um, so I think time is one factor that a lot of friendships kind of, what we tend to ignore. I think a lot of us kind of um, are sold into the thing of, if I find that friend, we'll just click right away. Like, you don't need that time. Like, you can't, like, if you vibe or whatever, that um, you'll be besties, like, and that's totally, and that's, like, your person. But um, I think that there's just such a, <clears throat> it's just not wise, I think, in a lot of ways. And because we just innately do want to just skip to that good part. We want to get to that point where we're just so comfortable with each other. I know them, they know me, and we can just effortlessly have fun together. But that's not what true heart friendship is. Um, Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Um, so I think what the Bible here is telling us that um, we do need to be wise with our choices and that this takes a lot of time. Like, you can't make those wise decisions just on the, like, one conversation of just, oh my god, we love the same things. Um, but that you do really need to take time. And a Wall Street Journal article that Julie found that was I just published. I love the Wall Street Journal. Amazing. <laughs> that was just published last month um, was titled, It Takes At Least 200 Hours to Make a Close Friendship. So even the world acknowledges the truth of that. But I think we just tend to ignore it. Um, and so, like, what does this mean for you now? I think since we know that it takes time, that you have time now. I think college is a place where a lot of times you don't feel like you have all that time, but you really do. Like, especially in terms of post-college life, you do have a lot of time now, and also the people around you have that same amount of time. Like, once it's post-college, you know, this is the point in time where you guys are most geographically as close to each other as possible. You know, like, it, at post-college, like, people, okay, maybe they'll live close, but, you know, it'll be a couple minutes away, it could be a few hours away, like, you don't know. And people have different schedules, like, jobs, responsibilities, like, this is the point in time where you can literally say, hey, I'm free in five minutes, you want to grab lunch? You know, and that's great. So this is really a time to really buy up that, buy up those opportunities of really just seeking out that friendship. And, um, yeah, just a little bit of my experience, I think, I was super desperate to make friends in the beginning, and I just remember stepping into EDK, which I don't know if you guys still have. I don't know. We do. Oh, you do? Okay, cool. Thank goodness. <laughs> that might be the only oh, thing great. left, to be honest. 
But I remember stepping to EVK and everyone just had friends. And I was so confused. Like, what time? When did they make these friends? I was so confused. And then I just thought I missed my chance. I was like, I don't know when that chance was, but it's gone. So then I started looking at really desperate, really bad places to look for friends, you know, like partying, sororities, like trying to like feel out my people. But um, I just found myself trying over and over again. Like, oh, maybe these people will like me and I like them. Oh, no, never mind. Maybe these people. And just like, and just getting hurt and hurting others in the process of that. And um, I remember coming to challenge and really being just like, wow, just like these people really listened to me. When I came back, they knew me and um, they had genuine happiness. Like, they really, really loved each other. And I realized I wanted to be a part of that, and I wanted, um, yeah, I wanted to be a part of that. So I really made it a priority to be in the places that they were. So a lot of that meant coming to the weekly challenges, joining um, a life group, going to events just like this, and just really plugging in to be like, I want to be a part of this, and I want to make friendships with these people. Um, yeah, being there to build the memories. I yes, think being so. there to build the memories. Yeah. And, um, I think a fun hack in that is uh, strangely serving. I think, you know, volunteering to help set up, volunteering to tear down, getting a team on challenge is really a great way to find great friends. Because first of all, you want a friend that sucks up. You know, you want a friend that goes that extra mile, and these are the people who do. And then second of all, they're kind of stuck in a room with you alone. <laughs> you don't really get that one-on-one time because you're not in a room of like 50, 100 people, you know, it's like a team of like 10 serving. So it's just that great time to really get to know each other and to really like grow in that friendship and those memories. Yeah, and then I'll take it off to you. And so the second challenge that we often face is vulnerability. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with the hard attitudes and this idea of being open and honest. Um, I can use this one as an example in my own life. Um, I was in like a, a women's accountability group uh, with fellow Christian women. and We met very faithfully like at least every other month really trying to share in our lives, the only piece we had, the time element, we were putting the time in, and we'd gotten the next one Anna's going to cover is the differences, but for two years, to be honest, we just didn't really share anything real. We shared a lot of, like, facts, like, uh, I've got a lot going on at work, or this is, like, a lot of factual things, but we weren't really vulnerable, and what, over time, that time didn't really feel valuable to me. I was like, what are we doing here? I would tell Anna this. Anna wasn't in this group. Um, but it made me realize that the key that I was missing was that vulnerability piece. But we were all waiting for the other person or someone else in the group to be vulnerable. Like, if you're vulnerable, then I'll be vulnerable. But we were all at this standstill. Like, not intentionally. It wasn't like a vocalized, like, first one to kind of share a hard thing. But we all had decided, especially we were all Christian women who kind of wanted to maybe be somewhere we weren't in a faith position or something like that. And so we were all just at a standstill for, for two years, not intentionally, but it was a two-year thing. It did take someone in the group, not myself, to all of a sudden just be like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? We are wasting our time. And so when she was able to identify and articulate that challenge of not being vulnerable, it clicked in my head that it's not just like putting in the hours, but it's really being vulnerable with the hard things. Um, something, even as you've got friends, that if you leave college and your friends disperse, this vulnerability piece is so important because if you're not life on life with a friend, they don't know to ask like, hey, is this going well? Because they're not there. And so by practicing that vulnerability now, um, that'll kind of serve you very well in the future. But like I said, that vulnerability, sometimes people are wanting to be asked like, how is that? And you're just, you're all just waiting for that question. But if you're not that 
by not being vulnerable, you're not going to enter into that deep heart friendship because you won't have that shared kind of experience. So that would kind of be a challenge that I say is uh, vulnerability is hard, sharing the hard and deeper things because when you do that, you open yourself up to being hurt and known and exposed and that can be and intimidating, but there's so much joy that comes from that. And there's this verse in Job that I'm really struck by, and it says, when Job prayed for his friends, and the Lord restored his fortunes, giving him twice as much as before. But the fortunes part is interesting, but I think if we're not vulnerable with our friends, they don't even know how to be praying for us. And so that's kind of why I bring up that concept when Job prayed for his friends. To me, that implies he knew what to pray for. And so if we're not being open and honest with others, then that really just means that you don't have, they don't have informed prayers in that regard. What I would just say is anytime someone's been vulnerable with me, I instantly feel closer with them. So if there's someone that you're like, I want to be close, but I don't know if we're there, it, it's worth giving the vulnerability piece a try. Um, I think your friends just don't know what to ask. So, or they don't know, are we at that level? I think there's a big level of insecurity. So just kind of knowing that's a big challenge to heart friendships. But Anna, how about the last one? Okay, yeah. So then our last challenge that we're gonna go through is differences. Um, I kind of touched on this, we, uh, both of us touched on this, but just the fact that, you know, I think a lot of our friendships up to, up to the college point has been about um, some kind of shared interest. You know, you go to the same school, you go to share the same classes, you have the same club activities. They're your parents, Friends, friends, you know, like, it's just like, there are things that were just bringing you together and you kind of, not by force, but just by convenience, like they've just been around. And um, it changes a lot post-college and the things that connect you guys can't still just be at that same level. You can't just, cause you can't just ask them like, oh, how was biology class? Like no one's taking biology class anymore. You know, like it has to be more deeper than that. And um, yeah, so like the same thing as Julie and I too. Like we really did really become friends until we, um, like until our life purposes lined up. And I think that's the same for what I'd say should happen is you want to be friends at a level where you understand what each other's life purposes are, your missions are, and they're aligned. And then that way you can share in each other's moments and be really like encouraged by each other, no matter what circumstances they're in. Like you can be happy for them in something that you have no idea about. You know, because like you don't have to have that same excitement as they do, but you just know in your heart that they're doing so great and you can appreciate that. Yeah, so I think for right now in college, what's great is that um, it's just a great time to really just understand like what do you want your friends to be about? Like do you just want a friend that you just want to have fun with? Because that person will probably just be your college friend. But, you know, like I, that won't really grow into something outside. Like once you guys move away and move to different cities, like it'll be hard to stay together because you can't be like, hey, let's go check out that restaurant on the street, you know? So um, you have to think about, you know, what kind of goals you have together. If your goal is more lifelong, like the goal is loving God and loving others, then that's something that will carry you out through no matter how far they go. Like her husband's friend, just like, like he's in Texas right now, but they, you know, they obviously do like have this true friendship with each other. And that just goes past like what you both like. Um, I think a great verse um, is Romans 12, 45, is for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. So even God knows that we're all different and we should be different and we shouldn't be looking for the same thing that we are. You know, And I think a lot of times it's hard because it's just easier. It's easier to be with the person that 
to be with people that like, like the same things you do, to talk the same way that you do, um, but that like, it can only go so far. It'll be pretty shallow. And that um, we are to see each other as more than that, too, as well. So like Julie said in the vulnerability, how to get to that point is to be vulnerable. Because once you're vulnerable, you get to the heart, and then once you realize your hearts are like, the same, then it just becomes really magical. So yeah, so what does it mean in your search for your heart friendships? Um, I just would really encourage you guys to um, not solely look for that characteristic, that easiness, um, but to look at others by how they want to live their lives and how you want to live yours and just see if that aligns. Great, and then I'll just push back to you. Uh, all right, so I think like we talked about, what heart friendship is, is really that deeper, shared, big, longer term purpose. And if you are a follower of Jesus, it's someone else that's kind of made Jesus the boss of their life and is really wanting to live that out. Um, but there can be challenges that can keep you from that intentional heart friendship. I think as we've brought up with the time, vulnerability, and differences, you typically don't just fall into these kinds of things. They do take required effort. Um, you have to decide that you want to do that. I think I, I don't know in our junior year in the little timeline that Anna outlined, I don't think I was like, Anna's going to be you know, one of my best friends in 10 years. I don't know that I had that kind of long-term effort, but I did value wanting to invest the time in being her friend at that season. And because I invested that time, we were able to build on that moving forward. And um, so I think my encouragement is not like today to go home and like evaluate the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of your friends and decide who are we picking for the long haul. That's probably not the message to take home. But what I would say is to decide to be intentional in growing friendships and know that this time in college is really unique. Um, you're with people that are running in a similar way and really try to be present and show up for what could be those moments to build friendships and decide to kind of have that vulnerable moment. You know, you ask that friend a coffee and you're kind of like, I could share this thing that's a little bit deeper or we could talk about our favorite coffee. Okay, there's two different directions you can go. And some days you're like, I kind of just want to go the, the shallow route, but really take the, make the decision to be known and kind of get that feedback from others, um, I think can be so helpful. And I, I have made um, closer friends post-college, but it's been hard and slower. And if we've got this time constraint of 200 hours of trying to get to a close friend or whatever that case may be, even people I live in the same city with, there's a different geographical, we have to drive to meet each other. We've got jobs we're trying to make happen, things like that. And so I would just know that this is a prime opportunity to really lean into those heart friendships. I would say most of my heart friends were either made or really grown to heart friendships in college. And that's such a shared experience that you will have moving forward. So I would say to really invest and lean in. And people you can start to look for from that would be like people in your life group or people um, in certain circles that you're a part of. But I wouldn't pass up this opportunity. It's really unique to be in like the same season of life with friends that could be long-term friends and for a while. So, and that's just my challenge. And we're, obviously we really benefited from it. Like I brought up in the Ecclesiastes verse, this is, Anna and I do have a friendship, but we also have other friends too, not to worry. Um, so I would say, don't set your eyes on like the one best friend, but maybe think of a community of friends that you can kind of build around yourself. And, and you will be so well served for that. So 
That kind of concludes our formal workshop portion, but to get the juice, oh, there's some of our resources. Um, there's um, the four different uh, Bible stories that I think illustrate this. And then for the nerds out there, there is the Psychology Today article about exploring the differences between male and female friendships. I find it fascinating. In fact, this is just a short plug before anybody is losing sleep tonight. There is an art part of their, her discussion is about this study that was done in Beijing. And Anna and I debated if I'm gonna include this, but I'm gonna include it. The study in Beijing about women that were early diagnosed with breast cancer and women that had a strong core group of friends um, were like 40 to 50 times more likely to have a favorable outcome in their treatment three years later. And that's not to be like, morbid, but mostly to think about that there's this interplay in our mind and body and friendships. What it can do is brings us security and confidence in who we are and, and they can point us towards God and be that encouragement such that it can kind of be a whole body of health and wellness. But that's within that article and I found it so fascinating. I think there's just so much interplay between our whole mental, emotional, spiritual, physical aspects and kind of knowing that friendships do feed into that is just a helpful thing to hopefully communicate the value of heart friendship. So from there, we will soft close. And I have prepared a couple of questions for Anna, and she's prepared a couple for me, and then we'll open it up for you guys. So Anna, how do you spot a potential heart friend? Great question, Julie. <laughs> um, well, there's a couple of things. I think number one is like if they're putting the same amount of effort as you are, um, in what you're involved with. Um, I think there's a verse, Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So it's kind of just like, as I was saying before, just like aligning your hearts. Like, oh, it's a good indicator that they're just making the same effort, so they want the same things that I want. Um, so that's a great indicator. And also second, which is, um, a second thing is that if you like respect them, like you see their life, like you have to get involved, you have to know them, get to know them, but also that like you like what they're doing, like you like where their life is heading, that you, you really do you want to imitate them, at least in certain ways, um, is a really great indicator. So I think there is a danger, I, I've experienced in the past, of just, you know, going with people who, you know, they're not the wisest, like I don't really want my life to emulate theirs, but they're so fun. And there is a danger in that, because it is, because just like the verse said, like a companion of fools will suffer harm. Like there is no way around their lives rubbing off of yours in a good way or in a bad way. So it's just who you run with is very important. And then third is just that if that they, they really truly like you too, like they care about you, you know, they don't cancel on you all the time. You know, they're not the ones um, that like if something happens, they're willing to help and they're willing to, you know, put sacrifice for you, I think is a great way spot a potential friendship. Proverbs 18.24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That God realizes that, you know, like, family's important, family's great, but there are friends that truly can really make a difference in your life and step up. And, um, yeah, and then I think that those three are great ways to find a true friendship, or potential friendship. Yeah, that reliability piece, I think, is, yeah. is a big one. So, okay, so for Julie, what are some difficulties you've had in your friendships and how do you handle it? <laughs> I've had a, a good amount of difficulties in, in friendships. I think that's maybe a product of, I don't know what that's a product of, but um, 
I really do enjoy um, my friends. I think the key thing that a verse that I have thought of in friendship that um, is helpful in that one when I have difficulties in friendships is one who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. And um, that's Proverbs 17, 9. Um, I think in friendship, there needs to be a foundation of forgiveness and really believing the best in someone. I think when you're vulnerable with someone and they let you down, it can be easy to put up walls and decide that we are no longer going to be friends. But really believing the best and fostering that forgiveness, um, I think, can really build a friendship if you're willing to allow it to do that. Um, I've had all kinds of interesting um, friendships, especially... And with friends post and college or even in college, Anna talked about us living together. I had a variety of different um, dramatic situations about living together or not living together, as the case may be with different friends. But I think I I have hurt friends and friends have hurt me, but really having that foundation of forgiveness and vocalizing like, hey, I want to forgive and move forward from this and deciding to do that is going to be huge. Um, and kind of dealing with difficulties in friendship. Is there anything I missed on that one, Anna? No, that's great. Um, Anna, this one I think is a good one for you as well. And then um, what's the difference, do you think, between like friends that are believers or heart friends and like non-believer or like, non-heart friend? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's a great one because um, there are a few things. Number one, um, Julie actually brought it up before, though. Um, is that there is this sort of censorship. There are things that I can't say to my non-believer friends because it won't make any sense. Honestly, it won't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense to put God's will before my own desires, you know? Like, and then what kind of non-believer friend would want that? You know, of course, like, say I'm up for this job in uh, New York, you know, and they'll, like, I'll make, like, twice as much money. She's like, kind of go for it, you know? Go make all the money you should get. But, you know, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, this is my community. Like, this is the people I want to run with, and I know what my life looks like here. You know, and that just wouldn't make any sense to her. You know? So just things like that is something that, and I can't answer like that. You know? Because she goes, what? Um, so that's one. I think number two is also boundaries. Like, again, like I said about um, being wary of people who aren't walking the same path you are. Like, there are things that will rub off on me, and has rubbed off on me in the past, um, that will just happen if you let too much out. If you, like... Not that you shouldn't spend much time with them at all, but that you should just be really wary of what you're taking out and what you're like, kind of like feeding from them, and just kind of like make a mental block of that, or you know, like, or you make that mistake and realize, okay, I need to like reframe myself. Um, yeah, but also like, God chooses. Oh, sorry, I think I missed the question. So sorry, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you you brought up a good point there. Um, I think there's. I Anna and I both have friends that are walking with God and friends that aren't, but I think by, I know which one of her friends, like, where her heart friends are and who they aren't, and so if she's hanging out a lot with non-heart friends, which is totally fine, she could really have a place for ministry in their life, but as her heart friend, I know to be like, so, how are some of these things going? Because, like, I kind of know where she's been tempted by those friends before, if that makes sense. So, I don't want the message from our Q&A part here to be like, we don't have non-Christian friends, I don't think that's true. I think God really uses that in our lives and their lives. Um, But it's just a little bit different of a concept. So that's why we wanted to talk about that nuance. Um, Maybe, I alluded to that, but maybe why bother on that one a little bit, Anna, with 
non-Christian friends? Yeah, so, sorry, I was getting too ahead of my phone. So there's a great verse, Romans 15, 7, that says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, like, we are all, for believers, we are all once sinners, and we still are, and we're forgiven every day. And it, there's no reason to look at people who haven't really accepted, who haven't accepted God yet as people as the, the others. I think there are just things to be wary of, but, um, but like, we're called to love them just as much as we love our Christian friends. And I love my non-Christian friends. They're great. And they're honestly great friends. I think my non-Christian friends teach me so much, too, as well. I think there was um, there's a great story that I learned. Um, that I was really upset from this mutual friend. And so I was kind of just kind of like writing. Just, just like, oh, my gosh, can you believe her? Blah, 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 blah. And then my friend was really quiet. And I was like, like, don't you agree? And she's like, you know, I don't have to talk about my friends like that. And I was really blown away. I was like, you're right. I shouldn't talking about that and it really shut me up but in a really great way and she's like a non-believer but you know like I learned from that and and you know I really respect her for that and I learn a lot from them like every day I'm hanging out with them so it's not to say that you can't learn anything from your non-believer friends they're just as important um there are just some things just to be wary of but that and that God calls us to have friendships with them too as well these are some friendships with all sorts of people you know and that he calls that for us too that we shouldn't not let our heart reach out to them. Yeah. Um, and for Julie, how can you feel secure in your friendship? So as I outlined, there is a lot of insecurity in friendship. Um, I think for me, something that I've done is just filling any time gap with just a trust that we both care about each other and just being the one to reach out. What that means is that I'm normally the friend that reaches out and sometimes I get a little frustrated, but really relying on God that like that's just my role in friendship and that's okay. And um, sometimes, like I said, when it's been a while, my gut reaction can be like, I guess we're not close. I guess that's what this means. Instead of believing maybe they're busy or maybe they're feeling that same insecurity. Like the more time goes by, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I've really, especially post-grad, and tried to just reach out to friends and check in and see how they're doing. Who doesn't love to be checked in on? And then it can really be a form to building that heart friendship. Um, but I would say, when I, how do I feel secure in friendships? I think it's first having that security in God, but then second, also just choosing to fill that time gap with trust and not really reading into it, even though it is very hard to just be like, I guess we're not as close as we used to be. So, yeah. Those are some of our prepared questions, but maybe that got some of the juices flowing for you guys. We have other questions we can ask each other. We could go on and on, but we'll pause there. What kind of questions can we ask answer from you guys? Forum. Uh, you talked about how you're really close friends in college, and then moved in together, and have just really worked to like foster your own friendships and also to bring other people into that. What has been different in terms of like, okay, we're not in the college space anymore. We're living together. How like how were you intentional about continuing to build that friendship and also bringing other people? So I can maybe, I'll respond a little bit on that one and then Anna can tag on, but I would say in terms of expanding on that, I think a lot of it was making sure we were still hanging out. I know that sounds funny, but sometimes when you're roommates, you become very transactional um, with them. And then I think we just really tried, something we did when we first graduated, 
and we don't do as much anymore because just life circumstances, things like that. But we had monthly dinners um, with the girls that we lived with. We called them three, six dinners, and we all kind of like got together and shared kind of updates. And that seemed to be just like a fun way to do things. Um, this would be a funny, an example of this vulnerability or insecurity piece. Anna would always throw out all these dates for us to hang out. It would be like Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night. But she would never give a Friday night or a Saturday night or a Sunday option. And finally, I was like, Anna, I'm not free during the week. Why can't we do a weekend? And she was like, do you think they view us as like weekend friends? And I was like, I sure hope so. Like, I don't know what, like if we're not doing it on the weekends, I don't know when we're doing it. But um, I think it was being intentional and like scheduling those times, but not like this is just our time, being open to having like other friends in our similar community join in for that as people were available. So I think that was pretty important. Obviously we stayed close, um, not just because of geographics, that was a decision, but we both have heart friends from Challenge that no longer live in LA as well. And how we connect with them obviously looks different as well. Did you want to add anything to that? No, no I, I mean, I think definitely scheduling time. I think it's, it's great. I think Challenge really um, tells you guys to schedule. <laughs> like the more you schedule in your life. And it's so true post-college, it's insane. Like I, I view Julia as a bestie, but I honestly don't see her that much. Outside like church, maybe once a month, mm -hmm. you know? And that's honestly a lot that's pretty good for too. friends. And then yeah. if, when you have coworkers and stuff, they'll say that's a lot too. Yeah. Like that's, which is shocking because you can't even imagine seeing a best friend like once a week is like too little. Yeah, when we say, obviously we see each other at church, but like. But yeah. Hanging out. Yeah, but hanging out. So I think scheduling your time is really important and like sticking to it. Like really saying yes to that. Yeah. And making time. Because also, and also being willing to be the person to schedule it. I know it is tiring and it can get hard to be like, why am I always the one asking? You know, like maybe just they want to be asked. Just, I know. <laughs> but, but like, but really just, you know what? like not choosing to wait on that person and just like as soon as the thought comes in your mind of like oh i don't really talk to that person to really reach out versus like i don't think just call me sometime in the future yeah or sometimes if you hear someone has hung out with somebody else oh you're like i guess they have a new friend it's not me <laughs> but really choosing to like fill that in terms of like oh i'd like to get to know them too instead of like feeling insecure leaning into that like hey i'd love to hang out um, but sometimes it can be yeah. easy to like i thought we were yeah close. Yes, hang out with other people. Yeah. <laughs> definitely opening your heart to their new friends. Yes. It's definitely yes. very important too. Zoe, go ahead. Um, you talked about like uh just been mentioned here and there about like sometimes we're we're not gonna be geographically close together anymore. Um, yeah. so I guess my question is just getting more into that, is like how does that look different when you're maintaining friendships across distances? And also how do you balance that with making your community where you are? That's an excellent question. I wish I had my friend Jessica here on Zoom because she doesn't live here <laughs> to illustrate this point very well. Um, but I would say um, on that one, it's deciding a little bit how frequently makes sense to connect with friends that are far. Um, sometimes I have this friend Jessica, but that's why I said it'd be perfect if she was here because at first she had moved to Europe and she was like, Julie, I need to talk to you every single week. I can't keep up because <laughs> it was in Europe so it would be like 7 a.m. my time like every Tuesday and I was like this is a lot to ask and she was really feeling let down like I wasn't keeping up my end of the deal but then we kind of came to terms and we had a really clarifying conversation that in order for her to be present with where she was that really and me to also be present here quite frankly 
that needed to scale down. So I actually don't talk to her a ton, but when we do talk, we instantly kind of dive into those vulnerability things because of that base of 200 hours we've already built. Um, but I would say that is kind of a good question that you're raising, Zoe. I think when you're no longer with people like in the same area, it's important that you are available enough to make new friends and you're not like, sorry, I'm booked every night because I have virtual calls with my old friends. It's gonna be hard to make in-person friends. Like it sounds funny when I say that, but it can be easy to like make this new schedule because you're like, I just wanna maintain the friends. And so being present where you are is really important, but I think by investing in friendships now, you will have a deeper foundation when you're not talking as frequently later. So you'll be like, hey, if Jess, I'll use my friend Jessica as an example. I know what her goals are in life, where she's trying to go, and so when we're catching up, honestly, it might be quarterly or even twice a year because she's far away. I'm picking up right where we left off. I'm like, how is that going? And like, it's almost for me a good gut check because she'll be like, how is this discipleship going? I'm like, oh, not as good as you might think. <laughs> but those friends that are more at a distance can almost be serve in a different role. Anna, because I see her much more regularly, it almost more time can go by than I realize and not connecting on those deeper things because we're seeing each other all the time but with the more distant friends you're connecting on the deeper things instantly because it's not as frequent so I would say I don't have like a hard and fast rule like you shouldn't talk to your friends more than once a week but I would just say make sure if you do move that you are available for new friends but you're scheduling like Anna said time with the old friends so it's kind of a, a half answer but an attempt at an answer. Do you have more to, to add on that? No, no, no. I think that's great. I think it's checks and balances, really. Yeah. You're never going to get it right. And knowing it takes like a village of friends, right? Yeah. So those, my, like I said, some of my faraway friends have served as really good accountability because we don't talk as often. So they can more notably be like, that's what you said two months ago. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Versus like, Anna, because we're interfacing more regularly, you don't notice that you've been in the same spot for the set period of time. I know it sounds funny, but no. Yeah. It's like when you see a kid all the time, you don't know that they're growing, but then if you see them like once a year, you're like, oh wow. Yeah. You got bigger. Yeah. I, I have, I guess, two questions. Um, one of them is like, how has your guys' relationship changed like since you got married and like that like whole process and yeah, I guess yeah. that's the first question. I'll let you take that one. Because I'm the one that got married. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you loved me. I'm sorry. Um, um, I will say that at first it, it was kind of hard. It was just like a little bit of a, ooh, like, are you doing your own thing? Like, I don't know. But I think just like really just, again, like you were saying, like trusting in God, trusting in your relationship, trusting in your friendship. Do you know, just understanding, like, I want to hang out with you. Hey, are you free? And if she says yes, not be like, ah, she's just like forcing herself. She wants to be with her husband. Like, it's not because of that, you know? And just, um, and really inviting herself in. And also, I think I was in a, it's a really interesting situation because me and her husband are friends. So it's not this, like, weird, like, oh, that guy, that stranger guy. But, um, so, like, I know him, and I really do enjoy, like, hanging out with him. So I think also just being okay with, you know what, maybe inviting the husband sometimes. You know, like, girl time is great, too. But, you know, just realizing that you can't always have what you want. You know? You know, sometimes it is, you know, I'll, I want to hang out at your place, but yeah, can you send your husband away? Like, that's not a great move, you know, just to be like, but you know, just understanding that. Yeah, and I would say as someone, the one who 
got married often, Anna would be like, oh, bring James. And I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. He'll stay back, not to worry. Um, but I would say in terms of like, that's a, another one of like filling that gap. Sometimes when someone gets married, I've even had friends that have gotten married and I've been like, do we talk now? What do we do? Yeah. Um, but just kind of like reaching out and let them kind of guide that process. I find that they're normally like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, they'd love to make new friends, but not kind of letting that be a barrier. Like, oh, we're totally different now. I think that goes to the like di- challenges being differences. Like if you're in different seasons of life, not letting that be an excuse to not go deeper into friendship. But it can be easy to be like, I guess we just not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. But really leaning into the foundation you did have in working off of that. Yeah. I, mean, I think you said you had two questions. Yeah, the other one is how have you guys handled like confrontation and just like also like accountability in your guys' relationships? Yeah. I, I'll start it and you can end it. Um, I think from a confrontation perspective, it's been making sure that I am being open and honest when something did hurt my feelings. Um, the sooner that I can be honest with that, the sooner we can clear it up and move forward. Um, so that is one for confrontation is kind of like you've probably been hearing about in challenge, but keeping open and honest relationships or really clearing things up. I think on the accountability piece, and that is a, a, dovetails into the vulnerability. If I'm not being honest with what I want to be held accountable for, then my friends are unable to kind of keep me accountable. Um, so I think for me, it's been vocalizing what my goals are and what my friend, what I'm looking for from a friend in that regard. Sometimes on the receiving end, I can push Anna a little more in this area. Like, what do you want to do? Like, how can I help you? And you can also be the friend to encourage that accountability. Uh, but uh, you have to kind of vocalize it. You can't just like expect to, you don't want to hold someone accountable for something they never intended to do. So make sure you're on the same page of accountability goals, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have more to add on that one? I'm so not confrontational. Like, it's like it's like who I am, <laughs> which is not great. But I think what's great, at least in our relationship, is that I look up to Julie a lot in terms of maturity and, and things. And I think once you have friends that like you really do respect and like you like want guidance from, it's just so fun to you know to to ask those questions and to really just it's just the joy of like walking together. It's not just like how is our relationship doing? It's it's just like just really enjoying life together and just you know learning from each other. And um, yeah, that vulnerability part, I think a lot of times Julie will bring it up first, like, oh, you know, this isn't going well. And I'm like, then it just triggers, it's not going well for me either. You know, and it's just, it's just great to like play off of someone else's um, truth. And I think just choosing to be that friend that does that, especially if you know your other friend like me is like very not confrontational, just being okay with being someone who brings it up. it's because we're not being vulnerable like you're not being vulnerable with what's going on and they're probably not being vulnerable what's going on in their lives and um, so I think for me and um, the first thing is vulnerability I think the second part is kind of like that joke versus once I really am praying for my friends and really believing the best and confident in how God's gifted them I find that 
God really and the Holy Spirit works in my life on that comparison trap of really setting that free if I really do believe God's best for them. And so I think it comes down to, if I can find it in that Job 42.10, that when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes, giving him twice as much as before. Uh, I think Anna probably doesn't struggle with this as much, but being I can be a little bit more competitive in nature. And so by comparison, can quickly turn into competition. Um, and so making sure that we're really lifting up our friends in prayer and recognizing we're all on the same page um, can be super helpful. But I don't know. Did you have more to add on that? Yeah, I was still comparison. Yeah, I think also just like kind of just think about finding like a tribe of people, community of people. If you just have like that one best friend mm, that fills every need, then it's hard not to put them on a pedestal um, and to like feel really hurt if something goes terribly wrong. But then when you have like a group of friends that like, oh, this person is just so kind. This person is just like, I don't know. You know, like they're, they're just like different they, strengths. You can different appreciate strengths. when you've got more yeah. well-rounded friendship. Yeah, then yeah you, I totally agree. Then you appreciate that one aspect versus all of them. And then thinking that they can encompass everything that you want is a really good one. Um, but yeah, but definitely keeping yourself in check because there might be like some like pride issue that comes along with yeah. it. And um, just really being honest about it. And if putting someone on a pedestal comes from like them not being vulnerable enough, yeah, just taking the effort to be vulnerable. Because maybe you're putting them on a pedestal because they're giving a front, you know, like of just like everything's great and life is great and nothing's going on in my life. But that's very not true. <laughs> There's never a time where everything is going right in your life. So, so that is definitely some kind of bravado. Yeah, that, that community of friendship, though, I think that's a big one. I think when you're looking, if you've got like the one bestie, I think that's especially where that like. Comparison can be much more because you're not kind of as diversified across multiple friends. So that's a great question. Yeah. So you mentioned about like being the friend that reaches out. I know that happens to me a lot, and I was kind of confused of like when do you know when you need to let go? Like when a relationship needs a goodbye, and when it has drifted to a point where you're no longer friends. That's another really good question. Did you want to take it initially, or do you want me to give some thoughts? I think I think for me I've been hurt in that way too, um, especially uh, a friend that's a friend now still, but, um, but she's a non-believer and I just felt like I just kept to so much like reaching out just so much and it just became a point where I just felt like she was just using me in the end, um, either like for my time or for like I'm just like really bad with my money so I feel like people are doing a lot. So but you know just things like that. But I just thought like oh she's just using me, and then um, Aaron Gillum uh, actually talked we had a talk and. I realized that I was expecting too much of her. So it's kind of like, it's, it's a good like reality check of like, am I expecting her to meet certain things that she doesn't know about, or she shouldn't know about. Like, cause if she, you know, she's a non-believer, so for her to prioritize some sort of things will never make sense to her. So I think just like understanding like, where, where do I see that person wrong? And is it my fault that I'm putting that on them? Um, and also like focusing more on like, what you love about them. I think once we're like feeling wronged and then we're feeling like it's too much, I think we're just focusing so much on the bad parts. But you know, God tells us to like love each one another and that everyone is God's creation, you know? That, um, but it's hard to just go down that rabbit hole. They're just not such a bad friend, they're just a bad person. But they're really not, I think is one thing. Yeah, I think your question was also like when to let go. I think that requires a lot of prayer mm-hmm. and just being, you know, faithful in that regard. And then I think it's also just being honest with yourself and 
maybe with where they're headed, I would say if you're headed in different ways, and I don't mean like geographically or vocationally, but more just like from a heart perspective of where you're trying to go, if you feel like those are kind of drifting and looking differently, I think it's appropriate to maybe not be quite as intentional in bringing it up, but you never want to be the person that's like, you're not where I thought you were. Like we don't, like I said, we don't go home and like make a little pro-con chart of all of our friends, but what we can do is really be prayerful and see if they're not heading where in the same direction and making sure that you are aligning yourself with friends that are going in that same direction. So I would say it's not going to be an active choice to like shut that down, but maybe more of like a passive type a decision over time. And it could be, I would encourage you to not make like a one-time decision, like not allow people to grow in that area. It's possible maybe they're just in the midst of growing themselves. So being open to that friendship down the road, but giving a little bit of space for them to grow on their own. So kind of like Anna said, not expecting them to be somewhere they're not, but also be open to them to grow into that where they could, you want them to be later. So I would say it's not like an art. I don't think I've ever officially dumped a friend. I don't know if I can say that, but I've never dumped a friend, but I definitely have had friends that I do spend less intentional time with. So, mm -hmm. but I don't think I've ever dumped a friend. Yeah, but that's also a great question because Julie also brought up that time with someone is time not spent with someone else. Yeah, that is true. So you definitely have to, when you choose one thing, you're not, choosing not to do another thing. Yes, yeah. yes. When we were preparing for this, I was thinking of this friend in college that I spent so much time studying accounting with. I'm an accountant. And I was telling Anna, if I were to pick up the phone, like, because we, we definitely had the 100, 200 hours, whatever. If I were to pick up the phone and try to call her today, I really couldn't talk to anything to her about anything except for accounting. Like, we never did anything. Like, we were study friends, right? So it was time I spent with her was time I wasn't spending with other people. I did do well in accounting, so it wasn't all for loss, but it is kind of an interesting experiment. It's not like purely a time equation. Picking up the phone, I, I could only talk about that. We didn't have much beyond that. I think we have time for one last question, if anyone's got it. Yeah. Yes, I think I hear the question because you're like evaluating whether or not to do that. I don't, I think that again is going to be a big exercise in prayer. And I would bring in, especially if you guys are hopefully got a lot of wise like staff members or life group leaders that could help you lean into that. I would kind of vocalize that thought and make sure that's not like you're not incorrectly coming to a conclusion. Um, but what I would say is if kind of it is a conclusion to do that. I, instead of running from something, I would run to something else. So I wouldn't just like distance myself from all friends, but I would make sure if we've decided maybe this friend isn't great for me to spend all my energy focusing on, is there another friend that I would like to kind of be doing? But never kind of running from something, but instead of running to something else. Running isn't the right word, but kind of like instead of shutting something off, pursuing something else. Does that, I know it's kind of a half answer. But that's probably the best I can do. Did you have no, something no, no. better? No, that's a great, great strategy. But I would say definitely do that prayerfully and not yeah. flippantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty close on lunch. I think, does anybody have one last one? It looks like they're probably in the last bits out. Yeah. How do you feel like creating friendships when you're really busy? Like, I have a 
that's a great question. Um, friendships are very important to me. That's why I'm here really find them valuable and to me it's like a first things first kind of principle so I really try to set myself up to have friendships be some of the first things that I put in my schedule but um, I try to make it to be friendship time that will be well connected for me and my personality um, my personality I am an extrovert I do love connecting with people I don't make great connections at like massive parties to be honest I'm kind of just like trying to get the whole party thing figured out, just full disclosure. But in groups of like six or less, I find I'm really able to get more mileage in terms of connecting with people. Um, so as I'm approaching like a busy meet, maybe I won't be at the big party, but I will be at the small friend dinner and kind of prioritizing in that regard. But for me, it's a first things first. I will move work around, I will move all kinds of different things around to make it um, there for friendship things. And especially showing up when it's inconvenient, I think is so helpful. So I think that can speak so much life into a friendship. If you go and it's like not on your way home, like I think people really feel loved when you go above and beyond. So even though you're busy making sure you're leaning into friendship, I don't know if you've got. And then Julie does a great job because I think for me, I hate talking on the phone. I can't do it. But Julie talks on the phone. I think choosing to communicate in a way that you wouldn't want, you know, is just something that you have to kind of like sacrifice. I talk in the car a lot. That's yeah. when she says that, it's like yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, so there are ways to like still communicate and talk to friends, you know? Like you, you don't have to be like, man, I need to find a four hour period so I can drive to this place that she likes this coffee shop. You know, like that's not gonna happen all the time. Yeah. You know, you're gonna have to choose like little checkups too along the way too. Like I, I want that three hour conversation. No, like maybe it's a lot of like 20 minute conversations. Yeah, buying up the small yeah. opportunities. But it's a good question because friendship, when you're just trying to juggle it all together and you're like, how does this all fit together? Mm-hmm. But thank you guys so much for this time. So we really appreciate it.